0: Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. And I want to tell you something. That's the mission of the show. That's what we're about. There are times, though, that you feel like I don't deliver information that you can use in your life, or the information I give you feel is faulty or misdirected, or I'm just plain wrong. That's why we have at Clark.com Clark Stinks, where you can go post where you feel I'm failing to serve you and so you post away others get to read it others can agree with you disagree with you or start their own Clark Stinks because it'll trigger a thought in their minds well you think that's bad about Clark let me tell you this and then once a week our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares them with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You
1: should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Maybe you're right, pal.
1: All right. I'm going to start Why with you this. Start, one? Christa, oh. I got
0: to tell you something. It's funny. <laughs> what? Sorry. So okay. I had two people in the last 24 hours stop me to tell me how much they love this segment you do.
1: Oh my! Well, you do, that you're willing to, to listen to all these uh, flying punches at you.
0: No, no. I mean, it's really what we should be about in life is we need to learn from each other. You know, we're doing, in a society today, we do too much talking, not enough listening.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, listen to this. Unif- unicorns, flying pigs, and student debt forgiveness. Come on, Clark. Quit suggesting the callers look for those things. Uh, Clark answered a question about paying back student loan recently and suggested the 10-year student debt forgiveness program. Really? Clark should have told the caller to play the lottery or find a leprechaun's pot of gold. 93 people have had their debt forgiven from 300,000 applications. So
0: that sounds like the U.S. Department of Education stinks, not me, because, you know, the U.S. Department of Education has failed to act in good faith to execute the law concerning student loan forgiveness, and it is the failure of the education department to do its job and to serve the American people that has led to this problem where 99 point something percent of people eligible for student loan forgiveness doing public service work, putting their lives on the line as police officers, firefighters, people who are educators, people who are in a number of public service professions. Are being stabbed in the back by the U.S. Department of Education. And student loan forgiveness, the 10-year forgiveness for public service workers is there for a reason to provide people an opportunity who choose to go into a profession to serve where they earn less money to have their student loans partially forgiven for the fact that they have chosen to do something to serve their fellow American that pays less.
1: Do I smell rotting flesh? Clark was recently asked about the risks of DNA testing from the commercial test laboratories for ancestry, determination, etc. He said, no problem, but read the fine print. Unless you opt out, these laboratories can hold you hold onto your DNA sample and it can be used for who knows what, but most of them have the option that if you properly notify them, they have to destroy the sample after testing. I highly recommend if someone is going to do this, that they research the terms and file the appropriate paperwork to ensure your sample is destroyed immediately after testing. We need to buy out the dollar store deodorizer aisle on that one.
0: I appreciate that very much. And actually Dollar Tree has a wide variety of deodorants you can get for one dollar. Um, yes, your post is correct. I've been too cavalier about it and it is true. I mean, we have millions of Americans who bought kits over the recent Black Friday holiday week for Ancestry.com and 23andMe. And the law does not provide the level of necessary protection for your privacy with what happens with this information. So the poster is... Who was the poster's name? Don't have that. The anonymous poster, you are right and you should make intelligent decisions about whether you allow these services to maintain your information or delete it once you have your results.
1: Okay, same subject, different post. Clark does not stink at all, but is missing an opportunity to educate. Clark mentions his DNA testing results as having a higher risk for developing Alzheimer's. This should then be followed up with the encouraging news that a healthy lifestyle, active social life, and exercising can push back developing serious signs of Alzheimer's by 15 to 20 years. Encourage people to check with their MD about current research. Keep up the good work, Clark. Thank
0: you. That's a fantastic post. And I want to explain, because it has confused a number of people, why I disclosed on the air my enhanced risk of having Alzheimer's. I feel it's really important that I disclose to you what's going on in my life and to share with you. Uh, things like this, what I found out about my life. One of the things I found out is I don't have a very interesting family background. (laughs) Where all four of my grandparents all came from one little part of Europe and it looks like we were there for a long, long time. So I got none of those interesting things where you find out you're, oh, I was 4.7% Polynesian. I don't have any of that (laughs) interesting stuff. But the stuff that I am finding out about my health I always want you to know that I will disclose to you just as I have with any medical issues like my cancer that I've disclosed over the years.
1: I just heard you say that unless you're on healthcare.gov, you're not purchasing true health insurance. That is not true. I sell health policies outside of the crappy website all the time through carriers like Select Health. That is one of the exchange's carriers. Please get your facts straight, Brent. Brent.
0: Okay, I appreciate that very much. And there are people who do sell compliant policies off the exchanges. And the statement that I made was incomplete. And the way I made it, you are correct. I said it wrong. So if you buy a policy on healthcare.gov, you know it's going to be a compliant policy. If you buy one from a third party, it may or may not be compliant And a lot of the sales going on outside of the exchanges right now are not compliant.
1: Clark, recently you talked to a young man saving to start a construction business. Nothing you said stunk, but there is more info you might have shared with him. Anyone investing their life savings in starting a business needs a business plan, especially if they seek a loan. There are no charge resources for help with this. His local Small Business Development Center, SBDC, or Service Corps of Retired Executives, SCORE, both programs are supported in part by the SBA. In addition to free business counseling, they offer low-cost training and classes.
0: Fantastic advice. I love both organizations. Why don't we repeat them one more time? SCORE and the Small Business Development Centers. Small Business Development Centers are usually attached or allied with state universities, score is at score.org local chapters all across the country
1: okay clark i don't think you stink but i just wanted to point out that i purchased the willmaker plus 2017 edition and the state of louisiana is not supported it doesn't show up on the list of states to choose from when i run the program rob
0: rob thank you for that i didn't know that uh willmaker was non-compliant with napoleonic law that louisiana uses And Louisiana is unique in how the law is practiced and different than every other state. So I apologize for the money that you wasted on Willmaker unless you decide to move somewhere else.
1: Hi, Clark. Smells like you emptied out my granddad's colostomy bag when you referenced the USA Today article series on VA nursing homes or community living centers, CLCs, compared to the private sector. As an infectious disease provider taking care of veterans, I can speak from the firsthand experience of our veterans getting much better care at the VA CLC compared to the typical private sector nursing home. A VA CLC will not just, in quotes, dump a patient on the street for money like the private sector can. You alluded to this in a podcast several months ago. Instead, VA CLCs are a continuous source of care for the most medically complex patients requiring a high level of nursing home care. I'm I'm very proud of my local VA community living center in Loma Linda, California, which has a five-star rating. Sincerely, Greg.
0: Greg, thank you very much for that post, and I love your description of how much I stink. Mm. That, was, that was special, <laughs> and I did not mean to say that every VA facility in the United States was failing our veterans. What I was talking about was the report that found great deficiencies in many VA facilities around the United States, and we can always do better in making sure that our veterans are served with the respect and dignity they deserve for the sacrifices they made for our nation.
1: I agree with Clark that most covenants not to compete are bad, although I think that they are reasonable in some very narrow circumstances. However, when Clark talks about non-competes, he never mentions non-solicitation agreements, which are different and listeners need to know what they are. They're not the same thing. Although I generally don't like non-competes, I'm in favor of non-solicitation agreements and our company uses them for sales and executive personnel. Let
0: me explain what that is quickly. So the difference is a covenant not to compete is when you can't go to work for anybody, even these things have gotten ridiculous, even the point people that are cleaners in an office building can't go to work for another cleaning service or people can't work for a different sandwich shop and these kind of things. Um, a non-solicitation is agreement is different. If you're in sales and you are selling for one company, you can't then go across the street and start soliciting the same customers that you were calling on at the other business for a period of time. And it's a much less restrictive covenant than a covenant not to compete.
1: So Stephen ends that post. Thanks for the good work, Clark. Thank All you, right. Stephen.
0: Well, Krista... Yes. We're out of time um, today.
1: I, got, I was having so much fun. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll have to do Clark
0: Stinks next week. And so whatever you were getting ready to read, tease us. What was it about?
1: This one. Out of I don't. time. Okay. I'm just kidding. No, no, it's okay. Let's just. It, it'll be awesome next week. Okay.
0: <laughs> I appreciate your post. When you feel I've missed the mark and I have been extra stinky or even a little bit, Please take the time to go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and please let me know how I can serve you better. Rachel is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing?
2: Hey, I'm good. How are you? Great.
0: Rachel, I'm very impressed. You have a teenager who wants to go somewhere and on his or her own is saving the money to make it happen?
2: She is. Uh, She's my 17 year old daughter. And she has a job and she's a senior in high school. And so um, we've talked about percentages of what she needs to save for college and spending and donating. And so everything that she wants, she's putting aside to spend, she's saving for a ticket to go visit my sister in Brooklyn, New York.
0: Well, how fun. Uh, How can I be of help to your 17-year-old?
2: Well, I just wanted to know um, if there was anything that I needed to be aware of as far as um, she's flying alone and um, whether there was anything being under 18, if we needed to be aware of. I mean, it's domestic, so we don't really have to worry about the phone issues. Um, yeah, one thing but, um, is,
0: is uh, it's great to find a deal. And I don't know if you've ever heard me explain how to find a deal on that ticket, but I'll give you a couple of tips real quick on that. One is to go to google.com slash flights and set up a fare alert for the route, and she'll be emailed anytime the fare drops on that route, and they'll give her historical averages to kind of give her a sense of when the price is cheap enough that she should go ahead and buy it. Gotcha. The second is Southwest Airlines is not on that database and Southwest serves the New York metro area. I don't know if they serve where you live, but if they do, she's got to watch fairs on their website also.
2: We're in the Tulsa area.
0: Yeah, so you've got Southwest.
2: Yeah, but I was looking on your uh, sky scanner, and there's a big difference between flying out of Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and Kansas City.
0: Yeah, and so often Kansas City will be the cheapest for a lot of places in the Northeast. Was that what you were seeing on Skyscanner?
2: Exactly, and they also offer nonstop, which Tulsa and Oklahoma City do not.
0: So I recommend that because the next thing I was going to say is if she's not a very experienced flyer, have her fly before 4 o'clock in the afternoon.
2: Oh, good
0: tip. Generally, you want someone flying who is inexperienced where they are not flying on the last flight of the day, so if there's any Mm -hmm. problem, there's another alternative potentially. And if you want to dial that back even more, before um, earlier in the afternoon, so that there's alternatives later. Okay. And does she have an ATM card or a credit card or debit card?
2: No credit cards for us. Um, She does have a debit card. Um, We don't use it very often, and so that's kind of a new thing um, that we can sit down and try to work out. I'm not quite sure how I would walk her through what she would need to do for that.
0: So as long as she has her PIN code, she can use that when she needs to make purchases in Brooklyn or Manhattan. And she also, if she needs any cash beyond what she would fly with, hopefully she won't she would be able to go to an ATM and withdraw cash. And with her debit card, there may be ATMs that she can use that will be fee-free.
2: Okay. Yeah, we tend to go a little bit more cash-based. Okay. So um, I'm hoping that we can do a little bit of both and and she and I both be comfortable with that.
0: Yeah, I think that should be fine. and And she should obsess with looking at the fares. She should, okay. she should check them every week and see when the best deals pop up, and she'll learn if she's looking each week and just takes a note on her phone or on a piece of paper, she'll know when the fares have hit a window, even beyond what Google will tell her, that it's time to go ahead and buy. And I hope she has a great, great time in Brooklyn. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You got a question for me? Go to clark.com slash ask. So I got a question for you. Do you know the greatest crime fighter of the modern era and The crime fighter doesn't even wear a cape. It's actually a hot, hot item right now through the Christmas selling season. It is these miniaturized doorbells that connect to the internet, and when somebody comes to your door and presses the button, it shows crystal clear video right to your smartphone, You can capture still images, capture the video, and now in more and more cases, it's allowing police to crack crimes they haven't been able to crack otherwise. You know, witness IDs are very poor. Our memories are not good to be able to necessarily remember a face. And the beauty for the police is there are so many criminal rings, and uh, thefts that are going on that fit a particular M.O., method of operation, that are being busted because of these very inexpensive digital camera doorbells. Ring is the best known, Nest is the second best known, but then there are a lot of no-names as well that sell these cameras, that capture video, that notify to your, to your phone, and what's really great is you can talk to people. Listen to this from the Washington Post. There was a burglary ring where they would show up at people's houses in what looked like a service truck. And the supposed service person in uniform would go up, ring the doorbell, wait and see, nobody answered. Well, this time they pushed... The doorbell of somebody who had a video doorbell and when nobody answered they scoped the outside and the back of the house where the person also had uh, cameras integrated on the back that integrated with the doorbell and started talking to the person right from the cameras and said I don't know who you are but you better get away from my house right now because the police are on the way. And the person ran around the house, according to this Washington Post story, jumped in their fake service truck, because they weren't a service worker at all, they were a professional burglar, starts driving away. The police had everything. They had the guy's image, they had the truck, and they were able to tie him back to a bunch of burglaries. Now, next door which many neighborhoods use for security, is being integrated in many neighborhoods with these cameras and a lot of burglary rings are being shut down. These cameras are a fantastic safety device. In addition, for any person living alone, having one of these gives you the ability to not have to go to your door to answer it even if you are home. You can look on your phone see who's at the door, and you can talk to them right through your phone so you don't put yourself in a vulnerable situation where you're front and center for somebody who may be up to no good. These camera systems cost as little as $50 on sale. The fanciest ones cost about $250, and they all work on similar principles, keeping you safe, keeping your neighbors safe. I love these things. Ron, welcome to The Clark Howard Show. How can I be of service to you today?
3: Yes, well, I have an important question that I think is of importance to everyone in this country. And uh, it has to do with our national debt. And it is now approaching $21.8 trillion and rising. And in my view, this is simply irresponsible, unsustainable, and dangerous to our future and our children's future. And I'm just very concerned about it, and I'm wondering what will happen to this country if nothing has changed and what we can do to change it. And uh, if uh, the only solution here is a petition for a convention of states. And I'm just wondering why our congressional leaders have done nothing about this.
0: Because it doesn't test well or poll well. You know, the federal budget deficit is actually a lot bigger than the official number on or semi-official number from the debt clock, which, as you said, is almost $22 trillion. The amount's higher because that doesn't account for the unfunded obligations for Medicare and Social Security. So we have... a a serious problem and we're we're talking about a debt per person once you add in the unfunded Medicare and Social Security of like a hundred thousand dollars a person in this country at 320 30 million whatever we are and the problem is is that a lot of people don't want to hear bad news and a lot of people want the benefits That government provides but don't necessarily want to pay for it. And so my thing is pretty simple, Ron. We can have government provide us whatever the the country decides it wants, but we also have to be willing to pay for whatever we want the country to provide us, the government to provide us. So it's uh, quite a quite a ripping apart of John F Kennedy's don't ask what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country it's it's not anything as high-minded as that it's just that you want the government to do these things for you you need to pay for the government to do these things for you all right. so how do we get it done yeah all right so you mentioned constitutional convention a lot of people are not familiar with that process. So uh, you want to explain how the petitioning by the states works?
3: Well, I don't understand it real well, but I understand that in every state we are able to sign a petition that would require the states then to force Congress into resolving this, that that we would work sort of uh, from the ground up.
0: Actually, it's a step beyond that. We um, can force a new constitutional convention. That's where the power would be. And the likelihood is if uh, something came very close to passing enough state legislatures that the Congress would say, oh, so you're really serious about this? Well, then we're going to do something about it. And the something I think that should happen short of a constitutional convention is a constitutional amendment that would require that the federal government, except during wartime or what would be classified as an extreme national emergency, We'd have to uh, live within a balanced budget, no off-the-books games or gimmicks. And do you know that uh, almost all the states in the country and their state constitutions have balanced budget requirements? So this is is something that's not hard. Do you know that um, in the late 90s, we not only were not running a federal budget deficit in the United States, we were running huge surpluses to the point that there were questions about how we were going to handle the fact that there wasn't going to be any need to issue federal debt
3: anymore. Well, the only problem with uh, the idea you have is that it seems like we are at war more often than not. Well, we live in a
0: dangerous world, but that's why uh, maybe it has to be only something where Congress declares war. You know, these are undeclared uh, wars almost repeatedly. But I'm someone who is a deficit hawk. I'm very upset about any time a budget is passed or spending is passed by the Congress that does not address deficit spending. And I think we need to have adult conversations about Medicare and Social Security and that they need to pay their way. People who receive Medicare may not be aware in inflation-adjusted dollars, people receive over their lifetimes $3 in benefit from Medicare for every $1 that was actually paid in. And that's not a way for us to stay a strong nation. So we can't argue here. We agree completely. How you get that sense of urgency in people, I wish I knew v is with us on the clark howard show hello v how you doing clark great thank you v you have a question for me that's music to my ears yes what's the
4: scoop <laughs> it'll be music to me too well um well uh, three years ago um, we started a small business my wife and i and um before with my prior employer i had a 401k with them um And since then, I haven't did anything as far as retirement. So my question to you is, as a small business owner, what is the best retirement investment um, avenues or, you know, anything that would kind of benefit us um, being a small business owner? Because I think it gets kind of tricky as far as 401ks and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, 401ks can be expensive. How many full-time employees do you have? Um, 18. 18, all right. Yeah. So the lowest cost thing you can do that costs basically nothing for you to set up mm-hmm. and there's no paperwork charges for it all is something known as a SEP IRA, SEP, Simplified Employee Pension. Okay. And so doesn't matter whether you're a sole proprietorship, you're a partnership, you're an S-corp, a C-corp, whatever it is you can set up a SEP and so it allows you to put aside from very little money to very large amounts of money each year and you can do it in a way where you provide some employer money to go along with money that employees would choose to put in or you can do only money put in by the employees.
4: And that's where it kind of, because I'm so used to just the 401k with the employer that, you know, I'm not up to date or up to speed as far as um, uh, that's concerned with the small business. So
0: so with the SEP, uh, let me address that. So with the SEP, it takes like nothing to set one up. And if you went to one of my uh, favorite children, which would be Fidelity, Vanguard, or Schwab, Mm -hmm. They can set one up for you. Again, they're free. The paperwork you have to do, this is a kick. The initial paperwork takes about two and a half minutes to fill out, unlike most government stuff. Okay. It's like nothing to it. And then you have the ability to set within certain limits when an employee can participate and how the money would be funded in it. And so all you have to do is open the SEP, and then you set the rules on who can contribute. And I'm going to give you an easy guide to read that will explain to you what I'm talking about and how a SEP works. Okay. If you go to the website Investopedia.com.
4: Investopedia.
0: And then in the search box, put in SEP IRA. And you'll see a number of briefings on it that will explain it to you. Okay. It is the easiest, lowest cost offering that a small business can offer to its employees. And it won't be as comprehensive as a 401k, but won't have the hassles, the cost, or the complexity for you as an employer that you would have offering a 401k, and you're still able to offer your employees a retirement benefit and yourself, too. Robert is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Robert. Hello, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Robert. I understand you heard our segment a few days ago about tipping at the end of the year, and you got a kick out of that.
5: I sure did, because I think maybe you're forgetting one of the most important people in our lives these days. Tell me. That's um, our tenants. I've got a number of units here. And, you know, it's my retirement, my my living, and, uh, you know, and a good tenant is a happy tenant. So every Christmas, I give a tenant uh, a gift certificate to a different local restaurant here. Okay, and, uh, that is,
0: and- that, that's beyond brilliant, Robert. That is <laughs> ingenious. God, I've been doing it for almost 20 years. Well, I mean, you are a genius for that, because, you know, as a longtime landlord myself, You know and I know both as landlords that having somebody move out is so expensive. Um, Even if they took good care of the place and all that, that vacancy hurts you, the time involved in getting it rented again, and doing something nice for your tenant, a goodwill gesture like that that nobody else has ever done for them, that is beyond brilliant. Well, i got another one for you,
5: too, if you're interested. I am. Well, when it comes time to raise the rents, I don't tell the tenants how much I'm going to raise the rent. I ask them how much they're comfortable with. And do you know, I would say at least half the time, they offer me more than I would have had the guts to ask in the first place. I don't don't take it. I usually leave it at a reasonable amount. But uh, I work with my tenants. And uh, as time goes on, their income goes up or... Maybe it doesn't go up, but do they tell me how much they're comfortable with? And 99% of the time, I say, that's fine.
0: I'm happy with that. You know, that is a classic business negotiation strategy, that you always want the other person to go first. And it's like if somebody's negotiating for a new job, the employer wants to psych you out by having you uh, disclose what you'd like to work for. And it's the same kind of thing in reverse, that they tend to underestimate their value to the employer, and the employer ends up being able to pay them less than they were intending to. And you're saying the same kind of thing by having the tenants name the figure. You are a smart businessman. And it's amazing. Landlords that I've spoken to have never thought of that. Well, you know, uh, one thing that I don't know if you've ever considered, too, I... Give landlords a discount on their I give tenants a discount on their rent if they pay me prior to the first day of the month.
5: Well I do that a little differently. I uh, my rent is due on the first and it's late on the second. and okay. I don't. Uh, I make it I make it real clear when they move in I have only two rules. One is the rent's due on the first, not the second. and secondly it's it's my home. It's, I'm sorry, it's my house, but it's your home. Do what you want. Just give it back to me the way I gave it to you.
0: Well, I mean, you are, you are a great landlord. Producer Joel, who has five rental properties, was listening all ears on your suggestions. Thank you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.